0: So you want you want a voice actor to go in her head and say, huh, there's Saturn out there. You want that scene inside this anime. Yeah. What a
1: waste of four <laughs> seconds that TV shows do not have. I'm saying, dude,
0: a character that we don't really don't give any fucks about. You just want into her
2: mind <laughs> just so you can hear the Saturn bit. Oh, man. It's called world building. Sal, look it up. <laughs> what? What? <laughs>
1: welcome to another episode of My First Anime. I'm Chris Bailey. I am um, the club president
2: of the Husbando Club, Savado, also known as Monkey. And I am fourth seat in the chess club, Anthony Vaught. I apologize in advance if uh,
1: my thoughts are slow (laughs) on getting this. I made the mistake of blasting through like two-thirds of a book immediately after reading or watching these episodes, so I got both of them swimming around in there at the same time. I will. Uh, so I'm trying to parse them.
0: Okay, so for your anime minute, what book are you reading?
1: Oh, it's done. Uh, it is not anime, so I will not discuss it. Oh my gosh, dude! Please, people just want tell to know us. about your fucking life. What book are you reading? Uh, it's called The Devil in the Dark Water. It's cool. It's good. It's a mystery book, so Ooh. it fits. Yeah.
0: Is it because of Hayako? Is that how you pronounce what? it? I forgot my fucking cheat sheet. Where's my cheat sheet? Hioka, Hioka.
1: No, know if- it, um, I read the guy's first book, the Seven De- uh, Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle, which I also quite enjoyed. So I decided I'll read this one. And I've read a fair number of mystery books in the past, like year or two, because mysteries are fun and I enjoy them. And I, I just didn't, I really like that whole style of thing. Should I get into these um books that they keep talking about? Was it Christie's? Agatha books? Christie? Yeah. Uh they're light fun reads, I think. Um, I read a handful of them. Yeah, they're cool and a couple of them, which we'll talk about later. Apologies, we will spoil them. Are like the genesis of some pretty popular mystery tropes. Like if you're interested in that kind of stuff, Agatha Christie basically invented mysteries. Uh but yeah, that that's it. No, no anime. Uh I'm unless I jump into another book, I might do some anime next week. Okay, Either some okay. Gundam... Oh, actually, I do have one thing. I saw a clip from Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun, where... I don't know what that is. It's an anime. It sounds good. Uh, but basically, like, a manga artist who I think is struggling keeps drawing his characters at weird heights in relation to each other. And when, like, his editor or whatever calls him on it, he explains it away by that character on that scene is standing on a box. What? <laughs> and it just devolves <laughs> into, like, this thing, and then... He eventually solves it by having one of the students, like, holding a box and says and saying, like, we're all getting really into boxes. And the guy's like, that's not the—you solved the wrong problem. <laughs> I fucking love that. And that has kind of shot that show near the top of my list. So I may watch that. I think it's only 12 episodes. Oh, uh, what is it called? <laughs> Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun. Oh, my God. That sounds so good, actually. I like that. I like the premise. I think it's about a struggling manga artist. Or or I don't know. I don't know much about it, but it's supposed to be good. And that clip is very funny. So that's it.
0: Uh, My anime minute. Uh, Still playing Breath of the Wild. I, like I said, I finished Taskmaster, so I'm actually going to start getting to all the animes that I missed. I can't think of anything else I'm doing. I have one thing. It's a sad thing that I have to announce this. (sighs) But one of my favorite shows when I was a child is so-called Salmon King. It's getting a reboot. But guess, guess who owns the rights to *Summon King?
2: HBO.
1: No. Disney. No. CW. D.B. Weinhoff. No. Me. No. I'm out of guesses. It's Netflix.
0: Oh. Netflix owns the rights to it. And you guys know what that means.
2: We just shit on so many people (laughs) for a dumb (laughs) payoff.
0: It means that I won't be able to watch it when it comes out. I have to wait for it to come out later this year. And I don't know if I could do that or not. Wait, you don't have Netflix? No. Do you, do you not know how Netflix sends out
1: the episodes? Oh, yeah. All at once,
0: generally. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I have to wait,
1: and I don't want to wait. I want to watch Somin King now. Side note, that's kind of funny. Roughly before the, like, right before the time of this recording, I think earlier or later last, late last week, the Dota anime came out, and apparently it's pretty good. Really? I hope it's bad. Really? I've seen like mostly positive stuff about it. Okay. Hmm. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Which I real. just think that's kind of funny.
2: You, Anthony? Uh, still playing the Valorant Valheim and uh, Grand Theft Auto v. I Having fun with that. But anime wise, uh, I have finally met, is it Mihawk? Yeah. Hell yeah. That little motherfucker just destroys Zoro. Mm-hmm. I thought you meet him earlier. Yeah, I man, I'm on like episode like nineteen or twenty or something like that. I'm still in the Baroty uh, Baroty arc. Yeah,
0: God, I love um, Redfoot. Was Zeref? Is that what his name Red is? Redleg Zeph. Yeah, Redleg Jeff. Such yeah, a fucking awesome a,
2: name. Oh, yeah. So I think good. I just got through that episode where <clears throat> Young Son, uh, Jesus Sanji. Christ. Sanji. Yeah, Sanji was with uh, old boy, and he kind of half-ass tricked Sanji into like thinking that he was you know taking some more of the food than his share or whatever and wound up like having none mm-hmm. and I'm pretty I don't remember I'm pretty sure Sanji was just like why <laughs> which I think is kind of funny
0: you you know that's um different from the manga the manga is like is more like
2: bloodio than what happens in the anime I, I didn't know that but um yeah and then I th- I'm pretty sure I watched that episode and I th- think I, I can't remember because i was kind of like uh, at the end of this one i was about i was really tired so but i'm pretty sure luffy's about to hop into a fight now yeah probably I feel like he was gearing up yeah with <laughs> it Don creed like time i believe so like, i can't remember if i stopped after that episode or if i stopped where he was about to jump in and i didn't want to like be tired and watch a fight so speaking of watching anime
1: we did five episodes Ooh, this week and good boy segue. is there a lot so let's get trucking episode 13 a corpse by evening last we left we were at the opening of kanya fest and we jumped right into quiz trial seven with our uh elimination round i'm gonna give you guys this right
0: now i like this show now Hell, yeah, <laughs> I think it's only because of this environment. I like seeing all the different characters actually do stuff and not do this like fucking mystery thing.
1: yeah, I, I think I think the last bunch will probably lose you a bit again, but yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, the first question is a diamond or barrel did you did you guys have guesses on these or? No, no. I was looking
0: at the guy who's like, uh what's it called, like the hype man or whatever it is, and he's yeah. he's struggling. Like he is doing his best, or whatever it is. Like he's just moving his arms left and right, and just like I'm like, God, dude, this this guy and his showsmanship and mm. showmanship and the showmanship in this like
1: super quiz thing is so annoying. It is, but it's a fucking bad high school production <laughs> of a
2: quiz show, so it's like pitch perfect. Exactly. I couldn't get past my, our boy Satoshi <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking... Listen, man, he knows
1: how to capture a crowd.
2: Satoshi <laughs> is a great swordsman.
1: I and a great swordsman.
2: And a great swordsman, absolutely.
1: <laughs> Satoshi is obviously taking part in this and gets the first question right and kind of gets a smug look. He's like, I'm going to show them what a true database could do. We cut into the manga club for a brief scene where they are all stumped by the questions that are being asked and just kind of looking bored uh, before we jump back out. And meet Satoshi's friend Tani, who is one of the finalists along Satoshi.
2: I'd just just throw that, I'd definitely be one of the people in my club room playing along, but (laughs) not like out there in the fucking, yeah. Be like, I knew that I could win this. Yeah, exactly. I'd be like, yeah, I
0: could fucking win. Yeah, I totally knew that would, bro. Oh, no, this reminds me when I was younger, we used to go to beat ups versus Buffalo White Rings in the States. And they had those, like, uh, quiz shows on the TVs, whatever it is, and you get, like, one of these, like, blue computers, and you can always just, like, type down, like, the number that you think the quiz is on, and it was just really fun. It just reminds me of that. I was
2: talking about it. I never played it, but I've always liked the questions and been like, I can yeah. do this.
0: Yeah,
1: Same.
2: Oh, yeah, but it's weird because
0: you say it's Satoshi's friend, but Satoshi does not know his name.
1: Yeah, Satoshi doesn't really remember him, but obviously it's someone who, you know, Satoshi had some sort of previous
2: relationship with. Yeah, He's an arch nemesis, an acquaintance, if you will. Yes. His someone rival.
1: who views, who may view Satoshi as a rival, which perhaps we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Satoshi goes up as they're introducing the finalists and plugs the anthology and does his very dramatic, very elongated twirls,
0: God, which the audience so eats bad. up. <laughs> I love when he's talking to the chick though, because
2: uh, the Saturn enters whole space, which is really funny. Mm. See, this, this is how oh, I think this anime is terrible and unbelievable. Um, this is sarcasm. <laughs> she just now noticed that Saturn was in the fucking audience when he walks up on stage. <laughs> well she's not she has to she can't call oh. it out from there bro she had plenty of time to like wait while wavy arms was picking which fucking side was left or right she could have looked out and saw the only person in a costume that's like double the size of anyone in the fucking audience and be like oh there's someone dressed as saturn yeah but you and want that you want that she's, heat like, heat for the stage like, man <gasps> Oh my god! Yeah, I, I mean, agree. Okay, with the if honest. she okay, okay, yeah, no, 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 if she's doing it like as a playful or not play whatever as a, like a showmanship thing, sure, uh, I'll retire my previous. Yeah, I mean the way ripe. she said it, she's like, "Wow, he's Saturn." But if we're supposed to assume that she didn't see him the whole fucking time, fuck off.
1: We're, we're not assuming
2: to thing, You're
1: just putting your own.
2: Your own Absolutely.
1: It. It's my own experience, Sal. Leave me alone. She is a professional presenter, okay?
0: Also, what happens if she calls out, oh, hey, there's Saturn over there, and it's Saturn and it gets knocked out. You're like, well, there goes, well, no, like... just
2: in her head. She doesn't have to, like, specifically call it out, but just, I, I, in my, I, I was just kind of, into like, she was like, She she literally like looked up from recording was like, oh, my God, this dude, Saturn, he's fucking he's the one that won. If she didn't know that he was in the finals before he walked up on stage, then, yeah, fuck off. But okay I see where you guys are coming from. If it's a showmanship thing, I retire my previous of course. It is.
0: Also, you want you want a voice actor to go in her head and say, huh, there's Saturn out there. You want that scene inside this anime. Yeah, what a waste of four <laughs> seconds that TV
2: shows do not have. I'm saying, dude.
0: A character that we don't really don't give any fucks about. You just want to into whole mind. <laughs> just so
2: you can hear the sad one bit. Oh, it's called world building. Sal, so look it up. <laughs> what? What? Okay.
1: Your world sucks, and I want no part (laughs) uh, of it.
2: And also, the man that was moving his arms back and forth, like Sal mentioned, that boy was winded when they were introducing the know.
1: Yeah, that was great.
2: (laughs) He was just doubling over going... (sighs) Uh, Uh, Because he was caught in Saturn's gravity that he didn't see beforehand.
1: Yeah, dude. (laughs) Snuck up on everybody. Uh, Meanwhile, back in the classic lit room chitanda collapses into the room pile of distractions in her arms is briefly adjourns with Oreki before running off to ask the newspaper to cover the lit club and areki spies a little something something peeking out we cut back or we cut over to chitanda going to the newspaper uh with togaito the the reefer man he denies chitanda because he's like, yeah, Lit Club ain't special enough. But if he had something for me, maybe. Yeah. Like this
0: classic Lit Club is like a really boring club. I don't I don't know why anybody would join it. Except I mean, maybe Owens. Facts. He's an English
1: major. So, Bro, if I got the I mean, I would join it if I was, I don't know, best friends with the guy who joined it or crush it on the guy who's be, who just joined it. None of them really joined it except for Chitanda for any reason other than they know people in it. Well, um,
0: what's his name? The, the main character joined it because of his
1: sister. Yeah, which he joined it because of someone else. Yeah. Chitanda, uh, after getting denied by Togaito, is beckoned by her fortune-telling friend and wants to get her fortune-told. But she cannot hmm. because the for- wheel of fortune tarot card has been stolen and a calling card left behind signed by Jumanji, which of course now this devolves into a reference to the movie Jumanji. Wait, what? What? That's how that Did works? You guys not catch all the Jumanji parallels? No, because did like- you not see the scene
2: where Satoshi turns into a monkey? I I, I missed. I must have missed the scene where yeah. like the rhinos were chasing him down the street. They even got Robin Williams to do one of the voices.
1: <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with Jumbachi. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Uh did you have something you wanted to say about the tarot scene, Anthony?
2: Um, not particular I just I just thought it was kind of funny. It's like like come into the the, the native TP for your fortune telling at I guess shamans that kind of makes sense, but like Yeah, I don't, I don't think
1: it's a native T P in Japanese culture.
2: Okay, that's fair. Nope, I'm just dumb. Yeah. But there's always one of
1: those Wait, at culture agree. fest too
2: listen
1: i'm not here to lie to you uh there's also a book left with the calling card specifically the card was tucked into a page of club comments which is basically just a description of a handful of clubs uh we come back to the trivia contest and some girl we have never met before on the end predicts what a question is going to be she hits that early buzzer mm. That girl is now tied up with Satoshi and his friend at one point away from victory. And the next question is the student council president's full name. Satoshi is about to buzz in, but hesitates. And then that girl buzzes in again and wins.
0: This is weird. This thing is interesting because it's... I forget what the question is. Do you remember what the question was? Uh, Student council president's full name. Yeah. So Satoshi... um, Satoshi forgets the uh, his rival's name. Like, he has to go through his, like, database and figure out what the guy's name is. And then he has to do it again for uh, for the student council president.
1: So, the way I saw it was because the question is like, what is the student council president's? And then it cuts to Satoshi about to buzz. And then he doesn't. And then the question completes full name. And then the girl buzzes in. Almost like he thought he knew what the question was going to be, but didn't have the confidence to go through with it and then just got beat on reflexes afterwards or whatever i mean you might be right about that but the way i
0: looked at it was i mean he forgot his wife's name in like in the preview scene and then he forgets the student council's president's name in this scene too so it's like there must be reason
2: for that i don't know if it's forgetting i think it's just like lack of recall i know that seemed like a dumb thing to say probably but
0: no if i mean he truly that,
2: believes he acts like a database like he just couldn't recall fast enough and uh, This scene, I kind of thought it was more along the lines of self confidence.
1: Yeah, I don't think it tracks for him to not remember, given what we know of Satoshi up to this point, and it'd be inconsistent with later when he's like incredulous at the fact that Areki doesn't know who the student council president is. No, but like he forgot his rival's name. Yeah, and that's one instance. And but I, I just think it's because that guy views that guy has a view of Satoshi that Satoshi doesn't reciprocate.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. but I I know what you're saying, but like you did say that like it's not like a thing for Satoshi forget, but he did forget his rival's name. So I'm well, just I'm, wondering, that's what I'm saying. He's not his rival. Yeah, but he forgot this guy's name. So it's like Satoshi does get um, gaps in logic or gaps in his memory and stuff like that. And maybe the student council president's full name is like different from what people call him.
1: Mm. Again, he the way he reacts to a recce not knowing it, it just, it's just it just doesn't track within itself. Okay. Plus it, I mean, this, this whole arc of episodes is about, you know, Mayaka and Satoshi and their, their shit. Uh, So this play, this being a bit of confidence from Satoshi, I think makes more sense. But then his friend turns to him and is like, Hey, yeah, by the way, that funny story I want to tell you, someone stole our ghost stones. He's like, cool. That is funny. Later, nerd tunnel. Like you. (laughs) And the friend's like, wait, I want to keep competing with you. He
2: really did just fucking blow him off. Yeah.
1: Uh, Satoshi's like, yeah, man, fine, we're going to the cooking competition, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Uh, we come back to Areki, who is, uh, peeping them photos. Of course. A guy comes in to buy Hioka, and his fly is open, so Areki gives him the pin to <laughs> pin it close, and the guy gives him a water pistol. Uh, I love that the gardening club is using guns <laughs> to put out any potential fires.
2: Listen... Plants versus Zombies, Garden Warfare. Okay. Sometimes you gotta use the water. Good ref.
1: Good ref. <laughs> Question. Uh, did you guys... I forget what it's called, but did you guys know about the concept that Areki employs later of like the trading stuff? And like? And did you guys see that that was what was happening? Yes, because I
0: did watch The Office and that's what one of the people do. And then I
1: there's a book that I read that's like that too. Okay. Yeah. It's in a lot of things. It's in Atlanta, actually. Which is the reference I was gonna make to touch yeah. basically you guys for? Yeah, Darius does it, doesn't he? Yeah, he like trades the katana for a bunch of money eventually.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like how he's like, oh yeah, you can give me like this money for like a dog. It in like
2: three grand or some shit when the peppers are done. Yeah, and when the puppies, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I need money now. Yeah. <laughs> we come back to the manga club.
1: <laughs> They're not doing so well. They again, some other girls again hint at like a disagreement in the club, imply that somehow the club not doing super well is Mayaka's fault. (laughs) Mayaka has the brief thought of, I wonder if Fukube will believe me when I tell him that I tried to behave myself.
2: That's so good. That's such a crushy thing to think of. That's so adorable.
1: Uh, And she gets up and pushes and starts to really push back against uh, Kochi's argument. Uh, about the ability to determine what's interesting and whether things have value or, and, and the concept of subjectivity and all that. Um, I think there is something to be said here, but I think it's better served when this conversation ends up co- coming full circle in a later episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Kochi's basic argument is like, all manga is the same, taste is so subjective, it doesn't fucking matter what you do. And Mayaka is very much, no, some things are made. Some things are are better than others, and is, is like an indisputable fact. Some things have value that others don't. Masterpieces can be born. Some things are just built different, bro. Some things are just built different, yep. bro. Like The Father Empire by <laughs> Brennan Sensen. Read that book. It's really good. <laughs> Jesus. Dude, I, you know, you guys are becoming so fucking insufferable, I'm never going to read those books. <laughs> it's your fucking But You haven't read them, you motherfucker. Uh, Kochi has never been bowled over by anything. Uh, And Mayaka mentions a manga called A Corpse by Evening. And and when she does, a hush falls over the room and people are like, oh, shit. (laughs) Uh, But hey, they're getting customers.
2: Hmm. And we come
1: outside and we see the president taking down a Battle of the
0: Maiden sign. Oh, I did not Hmm. think about this until now. This is one of Salvador's, also monkeys. nitpicking moments. So the Corpse by the Evening manga or whatever it's fucking (laughs) called. What is it called? Is Corpse Pipe Evening? A Corpse Pipe. Corpse evening. By evening, yeah. Okay, so this is a manga that came out the year beforehand by the same manga place. And nobody in this club knows about this stupid manga except two girls or three girls in
1: this uh in this club. Um I think the way like the general audience reacts when she says it, like it implies that some of them probably do. And I think it's reasonable to believe that some of them don't. I mean, their first years in high school, unless they're like actual manga nuts like Mayaka, it's reasonable that they wouldn't have gone to the Culture Fest last year and bought it. And there probably isn't really much of a way for them to hear of it outside of that.
0: No, but like to me, it's one of those things. Yes, I, un- I do understand there are four shields, but there are still second audios, and And th- it should be more of a
1: discussing, in my opinion, about this manga someone's yeah that's what i'm saying the way others reacted to it it looks like people knew that was like oh this is a sore subject we are not touching this
2: yeah isn't that why everyone gasped yeah Oh, okay i I didn't
0: know that i just to me it looked like no one knew about it yeah i think they knew i think it
2: it was kind of a 50 50 split maybe
0: because no one knows about who's the artist and stuff like that and like the artist is still in the class right no 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 it's made by three wait Made by the club president, isn't it? The student council
1: president, there was the go that left, and who's the third one? Uh, The third one didn't really make it, but it's uh, Tanabe. Yeah, but she has her name all over the book, so people should know. Uh, no, none of the names were actually on the book. Really? Yeah, they used, like, a mashup of their names.
2: Yeah, it was a very strange thing that Ulrike found at the very end. Okay, because I thought Tanabe
0: was the one that was saying, like, in that paragraph, that she was the one that, like, her name's on it, even though her name shouldn't be on it. oh he might have called out I, he might have called out
1: anjo but she's oh, okay. the one who transferred away
0: i don't know this, this whole mystery about this stupid manga like makes no sense to me like they even described what happened and i still do not understand what happened in this yeah we could discuss that when it happens but like
1: i actually do not like the conclusion of this um honestly as as like the conclusion to the mystery i don't feel it's particularly strong. But I think the character stuff around it is all very good. But we'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah, they have that conversation. And again, the Battle of the Maiden sign, which I think is great. Because <laughs> the club president is always like so appeasing and nice. But she's she's like, oh, we know this fucking, these two are going to
2: go at it. And it's going to draw attention. So <laughs> that's how we get our customers. It seems like most people, or at least, it seemed like the club president and whoever she's fighting against, I forgot her name. Coachy. It uh, seemed like they were both in on this How to get people in?
1: Uh, Kochi, I think, is like part in on it, probably. And I know she knows how to push Mayaka's buttons, but also I think she's, I think she's also like is venting a bit, like using this as kind of an outlet. I don't think she's fully
2: just like manipulating. So I I don't think it's fully, well, I mean, obviously it's not. She's got a lot of personal backstory, but yeah. But no, I I truly think because. The president, skipping ahead a little bit, says, like, you know, she's messing with you a lot. She doesn't mean even what she
1: mean what she's saying.
2: Yeah. And even like when they confront and have their little thing, like she even kind of says, like, here's what my real position is, you know, <sighs> and here's why I have that position. And like, even then, like, it seems like they were just bringing in people because they could push Mayaka's buttons. Yeah. Which honestly was kind of like it's kind of shitty because Mayaka was going through some shit during these three days, but it's kind of funny though. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like I want to give her a hug, but they'd be like, "I I know it hurt, but like that, like, come on, <laughs> give it a give it a year and think about it again." Like, come on. Yeah, um, we come to
1: the end of the day and learn the cooking contest is a three man team. And that they sold 14 copies.
0: Also, Satoshi is a leader of the events, and he doesn't even know of the fact that it's a three-man team. Like, he looks in the book, and, like, the book doesn't even tell you it's a three-man team.
1: Yeah. Satoshi is on the executive committee, but he is bad at his duties. Chitanda has some other mysteries, but she puts them aside for the sake of the Jumanji— or, no, for the sake of the club, sorry. And and then she notices the photos— and her and share a very awkward moment.
2: It's such a good awkward moment. Two star-crossed lovers embarrassed over photos. Mm. Look, this is my PSA. Everyone listen up, okay? If you don't want your photos leaked, okay? Keep your face out of it. Feet pics only. That's my motto. Send them to us for approval.
1: <laughs> okay. So we can confirm that you cannot be identified by them.
2: Do you know what's really funny? <laughs> this is dumb, but I had written this down because it was just a train of thought. I... <laughs> If you don't want your photos leaked, uh, whatever. And then I said, send them to Saint Monkey at MFA. is a joke.com. Okay. And it's really funny that you immediately went there before I even got it out.
1: I mean, I, it's, it's the joke that's
2: there. Oh, God damn it. Well, I guess I retire. That's my one <laughs> joke for all five episodes, and you just took it from me. Sorry, man. <laughs> I'll text you next time so we can script it better. Uh, it's like, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm the Ireki to your Satoshi.
2: Absolutely. Wait, no, hold on.
1: Yeah. Uh, Mayaka is tearing apart her room, looking for uh, Corpse by Evening, and remembers her reading it, and it <laughs> fucking sending her to heaven, basically, as it bathes her in light. Um, She considers bringing a manga called Body Talk instead, uh, but she's like, mm it's good but not good enough not quite corpse by evening
2: she, did she write body talk no okay I, I was getting some weird vibes with body talk I was kind of confused during that one
1: uh, you were probably supposed to but corpse by evening is nowhere to be found and that ends episode 13 so we jump into episode 14 wildfire opens with Mayaka apologizing for not having the manga. Uh she's now dressed as Ako from Himitsu Himitsu no Ako-chan, a magical girl manga from 1960s. And Kochi is dressed as King from Art of Fighting, which listen. Deep breath. N- uh, no, King not as deep. Oh, okay. Uh actually her references get less deep. This girl is all about those SK fighting games, so she's all right in my book, all right? All three of her characters, I think, appear in King of Fighters. She asks Mayaka for help with the posters. Um, and Mayaka has the realization that, like, hey, wait a second. Because she apl- apologized for not having the manga. And at some point, Kochi uses the title, uh, Corpse by Evening. And Mayaka's like, hmm, she remembered the name of the manga. That's weird. And we cut over to them planning for the cooking contest. Satoshi shares his thief story with Tanabe. We learned that. Oh yeah, the remember the acapella club get their apple juice stolen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happened too. So there's a obviously a phantom thief out here, and Satoshi is curious
2: now. I just i want I want to interject just one second. Yeah. Real quick. when they were talking about the manga, I know we're going back just a second, but they mentioned like, are they doing like moe drawings for posters or whatever? Um, I
1: don't think they're moe um uh, i have that coach is pretty moe i think um we don't actually see mayaka's like finished version but the ones Mm -hmm. done by i believe his name is kugiyama the club president yeah he has like a very old traditional style
2: so so here's 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 the little it's really a story less of a question kind of thing when i i watched this last night when i was i watched like four or three or four episodes last night i can't remember how many but I remember I wrote down Moe. I was like, that word sounds so fucking familiar. When did we talk about Moe before? And then I listened through our final edit of Devil's part Timer 3. And I was like, guys, what's Moe? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's it's so that got answered while I was listening to the fucking final edit of the show that yeah. Anyway, I nice. thought that was kind of funny. Coincidence.
1: We cut over to Chitanda talking with Irasu, who accepts 20 anthologies at a lowered price of 150 and then extends her hand to which Chitanda is briefly confused before putting her hand in hers (laughs) and irisu's like no what are you doing give me a copy so good
2: so good and then the scenes like the cut afterwards where they're just moving the hand back and forth like a fuck like they're working on a log like as a saw team yeah it's so fucking funny yeah, that they have a pre
1: they have a brief conversation and then Chitanda to sparkle eyes Irisu to which he like yelps in fear.
2: <laughs> she uses her special move.
1: Yeah. Her Reagan special ability. <laughs> this is a great scene because Irisu like Irisu gets broken by Chitanda in like the same way Areki does. E- like her entire facade falls and she's nervous and uncomfortable. Which uh okay. I'm just going to introduce this now and we'll get into it more as we go. But I think this is a good thing to keep in mind with these two. We had our movie arc, which showed a lot from the perspective, you know, of someone with talent mainly focused on Areki. And then we get this arc, which is kind of focused on the other side of the people without talent uh, through a lens primarily of jealousy and that kind of thing with, you know, uh, Satoshi being paired with Areki. Uh, Mayaka being paired with Kochi and by extension uh, Anjo and Kugiyama and then Chitanda gets paired paired with Iruzu, which is like the lightest and breeziest and kind of simplest but also interesting because it almost goes both ways with those two uh, but we will talk more about that later
2: do you remember all the advice she gave her
1: Yes, uh, Irisu is giving Chitanda the advice on how to manipulate people. Basically, give them a sense of emotional contentment um, and expectation, and that the thing that you're asking of them is small to you but big to them. And then she leans in and whispers in her in her ear, "Ask members of the opposite sex, uh, where no one else can see."
2: I love the descriptive that that was yeah. used. She said it was this was terribly informative. <laughs>
1: yes. It's such a good descriptor. It's, I'm sure this is all going to go great for Chitanda as well. Feels like things she can do.
2: <laughs> no, it doesn't.
1: Uh, back. Meanwhile, Areki gets fucking the weirdest people imaginable with the trick-or-treater confection club people. God, this is so weird,
0: but so cool. I like, like I like that tone. I was like... This is weird,
1: but interesting. Yeah, it, I thought it. I love these two. Yeah,
0: I, I kind of wish they would show it more often. They're so random.
1: <laughs> uh, they're, God, their toad is so weird and creepy, but so innocent at the same time. Exactly. Reki trades them the water gun and an anthology for two cookie bags, and they are so excited about the water gun that they throw in a bag of uh, cake flour. <laughs> Oreki uh, then pays for the anthology himself We cut to the manga club With Koichi and Mayaka Doing their posters uh, Koichi's
2: is done I can describe the scene perfectly Do it go Step one put sign outside Step two pit the two Hard headed ones against each other Step three <laughs> question 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 Step four profit I mean basically yeah
1: <laughs> But uh Koichi's <laughs> is done And it's she shows it and hey it's good further alluding to the fact that this girl ain't fake. Like, she cares about manga. Yeah. Uh, Satoshi sees it and is ab- about to call out to Mayaka, but stops himself thinking, eh, I'll just leave her in whatever she's doing. <laughs> Satoshi is also not thrilled about his, quote-unquote, competition with Tani, even though he's kind of stoked for the cooking competition, which we get quickly into. Satoshi's plans to make his special fried rice, and Chiton is like, oh, cool, so that you're going to be our anchor man? He's like, shit, I'm going first, so I can't make my fried rice. <laughs> we learn the rules. They are given a bunch of ingredients and tools, but they can use anything that is available on school grounds. Each person will cook for 20 minutes, has to make at least one dish, and then they rotate. And they can't help when it's not their turn. Chitanda is panicking at Fukubei's performance because this clown doesn't know how to peel
2: a daikon. All right, two things about this whole scene, okay? Number yes. one, Fukubei needs to get the fuck together, okay? Mm-hmm. He needs to get his shit together. Number two, the other chef on that rivals team has two kids and a fucking mortgage. Why is he allowed <laughs> to be <laughs> in this fucking cooking competition? Yeah, listen, man,
1: I don't have anything for you. Uh, but yeah,
2: that's all.
1: <laughs> Mayaka is trying to mime something, or not Mayaka, Chitanda is trying to mime something to Satoshi, and somehow he gets it. Uh, eventually, his <laughs> turn ends. Chitanda starts off impressive, and they're all like, oh shit, this girl's coming out the gate hot. And she immediately forgets what she's doing and just like freezes for a solid five seconds.
2: And they're like, yep, that's Chitanda. Then she just starts doing, like, she just starts making all kinds of shit too, doesn't she? Yeah. Like, she just goes the fuck in. Uh, we get to see the
1: astronomy club, uh, it is now Sawakaguchi's turn, the, (laughs) the, the fucking publicity girl from the movie, and she is just, like, staring at a fire, looking mad. Like, mad insane, not mad angry, like, this girl, something just awoke in this girl. Uh, but it basically comes down to Chitanda versus the chef kid. Uh, we get one more quick shot of Sawakaguchi, who's like making a witch's potion, basically. <laughs> Just pouring something into a green sludge. We get illusion from the the announcers that there is some trouble as Jatanda is de-shelling prawns. <laughs> Satoshi tries to mime to her something to which she does not get at all. And happily waggles a prawn at him.
2: Happily waggles the prawn.
1: Uh, something is wrong, obviously. And then we learn that uh, Chitanda used all the ingredients <laughs> and left nothing Man. for Mayaka. She's got two carried away cooking. Uh, Mayaka, meanwhile, finishes her drawing and runs off to the competition. She gets there and she has nothing but one small onion and some water. <laughs> and then like a little bit of a, a like a radish and a one scallion. Uh, this is all being loudly announced. That they don't know what they're gonna do, and we see Ireki start to get restless, get his bouncy leg going. Tani's group has finished their omelet, and there's only ten minutes left. We get a good shot of the astronomy club, and they are just fucking going. Something's not right with these people. <laughs> uh, I want, I want an episode about them. Ireki calls out to Satoshi across the schoolyard. Eventually, Satoshi manages to hear him and run over. Areki passes him the flower, and Mayaka is able to use it to quickly whip up some kakiyage tempura and yells for a ladle because apparently one is not provided. Uh, They finish, or she finishes it just in time, and everyone's happy about it. Chitanda gives a bow towards Areki's window, and the Classic Lit Club wins. What a fun fucking
2: event! yeah
1: i'm just saying uh mayaka the goat managed to
0: do all of that just to with just some cake flour fucking a radish or carrot a shrimp head and a fucking onion and scallions
1: Hmm. the goat that's all i'm saying yeah dude she came in in yeah yeah reki is in the room by himself exhausted (laughs) because he yelled
2: Bro, I'm fucking I'm done with him this episode. He said I'm exhausted. Fuck you.
1: I you know, I I kinda feel that one honestly. He was yelling across the whole schoolyard, my man. I think Satoshi's
0: like, yeah, that's even like a thing for you. Like Yeah. The fact that you did this is very interesting.
1: Yeah. I think I think that's called out that at the beginning of the next episode, but yeah, Satoshi's very yeah, I think so, but yeah, Satoshi is very much like, nah, that's that's a weird thing for a Ricky to do. Mayaka, meanwhile, is bemoaning all of her imperfections and how she could have cooked better. Yeah. They said, like, she talked about this scene,
0: and I thought they lost, and I'm like, but they won. I don't understand the point of, like, complaining about, like,
1: the ladle thing. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's not, she's not complaining about the... Well, she is, in a way, because it, the food wasn't as good as it could have been. Well, I guess
0: once you say it like that, like, the food is not as good as it could have been, I guess you could say it like that, because... arc is a little bit of a perfectionist. You can see with the manga drawing and stuff like that. But yeah, I I guess since you said Mm -hmm. that, that does make more sense. But it's still like, she said that, and it's still like, I'm like, I thought they won. Like you got, it it just bugged me. Is what I'm, is what
1: I'm saying. Sure, and it, it honestly probably should, because you know, as I kind of referenced, this whole arc and a lot of the show is about how these characters like interact with their imperfections and their failings and their weaknesses. And this is really, specifically for Satoshi and Mayaka, they really explore it in these in this chunk of episodes. And you probably should be a little annoyed, like, Mayaka, what are you talking about, girl? You did good. You won. You're fine. Exactly. We learn that there should have been a ladle, though, so that was weird. Hmm. Uh, and then Shatanda finds a calling card. And if I remember correctly... Some meat is about to happen in episode 15. I think
2: you did remember correctly.
1: Areki's sister prepared a a lunchbox, and he's like, but why is it ethnic, which is weird. They, as Monkey referenced earlier, they talk about Areki's involvement in the cooking competition win, uh, and Chitanda shows him the calling card. That cuts back to her with this weird, like, ping, as she looks at him expectantly before it cuts to the intro. (laughs) Areki tries to ignore Chitanda's. He realizes it's no use and he cuts her off and starts to talk. And then Satoshi eventually cuts him off and comes up with a plan to pitch the Phantom Thief story and how they're going to solve it to the newspaper club to get a section in the article for the third day.
0: Well, I was going to say, I, I do love this. um The scene when Oweki does literally just says like, just trying to, yeah, we're not doing this. Like, we gotta think about like uh, getting our uh, getting our sales numbers in. We we can't be doing every case. I just love that. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was really good from like Oweki's point of view. He's like, yeah, we're not doing this today. We're not doing it, you guys. We're not doing it. And Satoshi's <laughs> like,
1: yeah, we're probably gonna be doing it. <laughs> He's like, but what if what if what if we're doing it drew people to us, huh? Yep, exactly. Satoshi, a little shit. Oreki still kind of refused, Like, there's there's thousands of it. Could be anybody. This is impossible. If only the thief would target the classic lit club, then it'd be easier. Mm, Satoshi kind kind of snidely remarks, eh, we could hit ourselves, to which Mayaka stares daggers through him. (laughs) Areki starts doing his little hair rub thing and gets onto something, and then we get the first references to Agatha Christie's ABC's A Murder and how this case seems to be following that in terms of execution and idea. I think it's Satoshi who says that Jumonji should be read as Jumoji. And I forget how that leads to something about like the 10th letter being the classic lit club. This this is some stuff that you probably need to understand Japanese to fully get. Yeah, this
2: is, yeah. yeah. I think I, I understood the reasoning in that like it was like, you know, R, A, B, C, D, E, F, G or whatever. Like I think somewhere around there, what would be considered F or G would be the classic lit club. Yeah. Um Satoshi has a plan and
1: exits. Mayaka and Areki are once again left by themselves, which is always great for both of them and not awkward at all. Mayaka is pissed for some reason but denies it. <laughs> we get or we cut over to Chitanda trying to negotiate or to go negotiate with the newspaper club, but they are whipped into a frenzy over the Phantom Thief story. Uh, she leads Togaito away. And literally makes no sense at all in what she says she just starts rambling stuff like hey we need put us in
2: the paper phantom thief please but it's important to you not me god chatonda's so bad (laughs) but it's uh and uh it's uh important to uh you uh not me (laughs) yeah she does she does a real bad job uh
1: but then she just eventually blurts out everything Tells him basically the whole story, everything they know, uh, and tells him about the mystery to get him interested. And when she says that Ireki'll solve it, he flinches because Areki intimidated him previously. Uh, he's like, "Yeah, if uh, if I can find if 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 it works to bring you guys in, I'll do it." He walks away, and Chitanda has a vision of holding on to his elongated coat and dragging him back in <laughs> to to basically force him to include them in the paper think this is where she said where she resolved like nah th- I'm not going to do that I have to trust that he's going to keep his word he's going to do his part going all the way against Irisu's advice Satoshi and Chitanda bump into each other and devise that the magic club is the next start target and Satoshi is going to stake it out Tani also knows and is also there and is like it'll be our next competition to catch the thief in the act and Satoshi's like fine dude whatever stop talking to me <laughs> Areki asks Mayaka about the ABCs of murder. She tells him that, yeah, the killer in that book, he did it that way because he wanted to, which I haven't read that yet, so I don't know if that is completely accurate, but I assume it is. Um, Areki finds that unsatisfying and decides that there must be some purpose behind the way this thief is doing it. Uh, Mayaka questions Areki's motives to which he replies that he can't ignore. Chitanda is someone that he can't ignore because she won't go away until she's satisfied. And Mayaka just laughs at him. This is where he invokes the uh, Warashibe protocol. Oh, yeah, because Mayaka goes to leave and Areki holds out his hand. Yep. (laughs) So I think they have a brief thing about the flower and then she gets up to leave and Areki holds out his hand and she's like, you want me to pay you for the flowers? He's like, Don't make it sound sordid. <laughs> and invokes the War Bay protocol, which is the trading things for other stuff. So Mayaka gives him a mirror <laughs> and Areki says, Don't you need this for your cosplay? And she whips the mirror into his face.
2: <laughs> Can't you cos- can you cosplay without your mirror? <laughs> but yes, he does say it's not cosplay. She really doesn't like it called fucking cosplay. She yells at him not to call it cosplay yep. and
1: chucks it in his face. So would you like to discuss what this protocol is? Yeah, uh, I, I think we might have covered it earlier, but briefly, the War Shiba protocol is basically um, I, I it comes from, I think, a famous like really old story where someone traded up like from like a stick or a grain of wheat or something and just kept trading up and up and up into riches, basically. Okay. So it's the idea of trading something that has no value to you to value but value to someone else until you get something that has more value to you. Satoshi is at the magic show staking out, and Irasu enters. Satoshi is like, hey, at it though. You like magic? And she's like, "Mm, I haven't seen enough magic to have an opinion on magic. Wow. Like Irasu. Yeah, which I dude, I actually in the episodes I didn't fully get it, but as I thought about it a bit, I love the characterization of Irasu in this chunk of episodes, and why I think pairing her up with Chitanda specifically is like such an interesting thing when taken into the themes of all of this, but again, we'll talk about that later. Tanabe and the president also enter, uh, as well as Kochi and the manga club president, and Satoshi thinks all like, oh, could it be one of them? Uh, the performance starts, and the candle is already missing. We get a quick talk about Satoshi's flawed logic and how there's no reason to believe that they would do it uh, in front of people. Like there's, there's, no, there's no reason to believe it would have been during the performance rather than beforehand. So catching them in the act doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, we come back to the manga club and the Vocaloid girls are talking shit again. And Kochi comes in and actually silences them this time instead of like kind of snidely doing it towards Mayaka. Mayaka still exits and is kind of despondent out on like the overhang thing and is about to call out to Fuka Bay, but holds herself back and thinks that, like, man, it's kind of pathetic how I, every time I feel a little bit down, I want to run to Fuka Bay and the others.
2: No, that just means you have friends. Yeah.
1: But I think it's, you know, indicative of how Mayaka is generally independent and sees herself as capable of solving her own problems, um, which, again, is something I think we will talk about later in more context. The pres- the uh, UASA, the manga club president, comes out to Mayaka and basically explains Kochi to her, like Anthony was talking about before, where she's like, yeah, she doesn't mean any of what she's saying. She's just joking or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she knows because they're friends. And she was also friend, or, and uh, Kochi was friends with the author of Corpse by Evening, who we learned is a girl, or we might already know, but the girl Anjo, who has transferred away. Mayaka asks a little bit more about Kochi, and Yuasa says, eh, I can't really say more. And Mayaka assumes it's because for her to say more, she would have to talk bad about her friend.
2: Mayaka needs kind of a hug right now.
1: Dude, yeah, Mayaka needs a big hug in all these episodes.
2: Yeah.
1: But you know what? She'll be all right. I think so. That's kind of Mayaka's thing. She's all right. (laughs) She has a good cry and then she's good. Dude, fucking same, honestly. (laughs) Uh, The extra is posted and Chitanda furiously scours it and finally sees a brief mention. I think it literally just says the words of the Classic Lit Club.
2: He did come through. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Which, oh, Chitanda.
2: Yeah, that was pretty good.
1: Uh, Oreki and Satoshi talk about uh, catching someone in the act where Oreki basically lays out Satoshi's flawed logic to him. Uh, Chitanda comes in and does a quick roundup, and we learn that the last target is going to be the the classic lit club, but it could be the industrial club. Do we have that club around here? I don't think so. No, that's what... Oweki says. He's like, do we have that club? (laughs) I don't know what the industrial club is. I want to see some of them. Uh, Chitanda is going to do a radio show, and then we cut to later that night, Chitanda is on her floor commiserating with her eggplant pillow. I love this eggplant pillow so much. It's a good pillow. It's such a good pillow. Yeah, and she's she's just exhausted For the first time, we see Chitanda not only tired, but maybe in a little bit lower spirits than is expected of her. Uh, We cut over to Mayaka, who is again considering body talk. But it's like, "Mm." but it's a step below Corpse by Evening. And she pulls some of her own stuff out of her desk drawer. It's like, "Uh, my stuff is hundreds of steps below body talk. (laughs) Um, Which, hey, we will come back to uh, that whole thing, too. (laughs) As kind of everyone's character arc, except for, well, Areki kind of got his last time, but at least, Ch- uh, not Chitanda, Mayaka and Satoshi, like their character arcs pretty much climax in these episodes, I think. Satoshi is thinking about uh, Areki and Chitanda and who the real culprit is and has the resolve to catch Jumoji. And we see Areki on the school website Looking at the uh, mail order, the Kanye festival. There we go. That's what it's called.
0: Wonder why he's doing that. And that, yeah.
2: Honestly, until the last episode, I completely forgot he had done that. Hm. Did you guys have any like theories going
1: through this stuff, or like up, up to this point? No, I mean, I had, I had
0: nothing. I don't know. I just think it's so weird the that affected the the manga and. Uh, um... And the highest are connected. Is it so weird? And it's so weird a wiki
1: sister like knows stuff behind this. Um, I think that's uh, that's definitely a stance you could take. I think I think it's questionable, but more or less I- irrelevant in a way. Whether or not she knew that that there was a connection there is possible. I mean, we do see her in this episode, like examining the poster. That kind of can connect it all together. And if we do think if we do take her as like genius level above a recce I guess it's possible that she could have made that connection off of that poster or it's just you know she wanted to find she liked corpse by evening and wanted to read the next one and obviously not being a part of the school anymore wouldn't know anything and just wants to (laughs) find it wants to know who made it or whatever I don't know
0: It's so weird because Corpse by Evening was a school festival thing. So, and she wasn't in school during the time. So, yeah, but anyone can go
1: to the festivals. In fact, they are very open to the public, and that's kind of the whole thing. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't
0: know why she would go back to the festival, is what I'm trying to say. Because she has a lot of connections in the school.
2: Yeah. Remember the fucking dude on the, at the, who cooked? For the (laughs) fucking Tommy or whatever?
0: Yeah, the guy. The guy with the two children. Yeah,
1: he's a fucking seventh year. Yeah, the seventh year. And he's still lost to Chitanda.
2: <laughs> All right, yeah, just uh, just to sum this episode up, Chitanda, please no. <laughs> what up, the next episode? No, this one. Oh. With the, which you, like, tried to manipulate people.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Tony could fuck off, or Tawny, whatever his name is. Fuck the bongo girls. And yeah, Mayaka, you cuddle that body pillow. You deserve (laughs) it. No, that was Chitanda. Oh, was she?
1: Yeah, Mayaka was talking about how bad her manga is compared to body talk. Oh, I think I mixed body talk and pillow. (laughs) Yeah. But let's move to episode 16, the final target. (laughs) Satoshi is geared up. And there's, but there's a ton of people hanging outside one of the club rooms trying to be detectives, trying to catch Phantom Thief.
2: Yeah, there's a whole fucking unit there, like a whole squad.
1: And Satoshi is kind of annoyed at this, especially at the fact that Tani's there again. Being like, hey, I'm going to catch him first. Yeah, who (laughs) is, like, this guy is just so random. He just
0: pops out of nowhere. And he's just like, I have a rivalry against Satoshi. And I'm just like,
1: Okay, I guess you do. <laughs> Satoshi's like, no, you don't, bro. Leave me alone.
2: <laughs> he reminded me of the Gary Oak, like the old school for fucking Pokemon. Explain. All he was to me was another fucking trainer battle. He was nothing. He was fucking oh, less Oh, Gary than Oak, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like... Like, I wanted to catch them all and, like, just fucking have a level 99 fucking Charizard. That's all I wanted. Like, fuck off, Gary. Like, with these stupid fucking just walking into my life, making me fucking fight you. Wait a minute. Or I guess if you named him Douchebag or whatever. Do you not
0: know who Gary is? You see, no, I, I, uh, I, 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 from, I forgot he was from, Gary. Um, Oak. The Pokemon games. He's a rival yeah, to f- Ask Ketchum. Oh my Jesus Christ, dude. Um, he it it, Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> he had a sports car in the fourth season. He was one of all Yeah, isn't he like first-
1: 12, dude? <laughs> <laughs> if he's not, if he's old enough to have a car, why is he having beef with this 12 year old? <laughs> you know, this is a Pokemon world, right? And Ask Ketchum's 10. Not better.
0: Uh, Ash is 10? I think he's 10. That kid's not 10. I think he's 10. Bro. I'm peaceful. He's 10, you guys. Also, fucking in this world, it's okay for your kid to fucking leave the house and go catch Pokemon. Even though Pokemon's are super duper dangerous. Catch him is
1: 10. Yeah, he is 10. We I remember this. As you said, China sees some mysterious woman's like, mm, I feel like I've seen her somewhere. Uh people start to give up on the stakeout. And Jumoji has given up, or Jumoji has stolen from Kaon skipping letters. The classic lit club, the anthology, Hyoka, is selling surprisingly well. And Tomei enters and tussles Areki a little, much to his displeasure. Buys an anthology and takes the mirror, leaving Areki with a copy of A Corpse by Evening, which he sees is written by Anshinshin Takuha.
2: Also, their, their little banter, the little playful fucking brother-sister banter, like where he, like she like puts it on his head and stuff. Yeah. It's so uh,
1: their, good. Their relationship's very good.
2: <laughs> it's so nice, dude. Uh, yeah, and she leaves
1: him with like, yeah, hey, you decide if you want to pass your time with her or not. I don't care. Later. Although, you know, you could read as her saying, kind of being smug, like, mm, you decide if this is worth your time. Mm-hmm, hey, I'm hinted at something here. Uh Oreki flips to the end and reads the notes from one of the people involved. They talk about uh, their plans for the next manga that will be written the next year called the Kordiavka sequence. And I kind of give shout outs to the two creators and how like, oh, yeah, they were people who had never really done this before. But then they came together and made something amazing. And I'm just like the background person. So it feels weird to be the one here doing all the the hyping. The author notes and shit. Yeah.
0: Who is this passage from? Like, who is it? Tanabe. Okay. Uh, Remember, I'm not good with names. Would you like to explain who Tanabe is? The mastermind behind the Jumoji incident. Okay. So the student council president?
2: No. No. Okay. I don't know what more you want from him. You know who who he had that conversation with in the hall thing, whatever? You know, he was explaining all the plan.
0: Who is it? Just tell me who is
2: it, you guys. He's, He's just a guy on the executive chair or whatever.
1: Like that's the only I think prominent It's the guy Reki is is, talking to at the end For a long time
0: He's not a student council president? No Oh is he the head of the executive community?
1: Is that what it is? Something like that Okay
2: I don't think he's the head But he's up there He's not like super like He's over Satoshi We know that Yes
1: Yes Okay That's
0: who I wanted to know Okay That's who I wanted to know I thought he was a student council president I didn't know he wasn't Okay
1: Chitanda is at the broadcast club (laughs) About to knock on the door, and the guy comes out and jumps at the chance to have the president of the classic Lit Club, the last target of the Phantom Thief on his show, and is doing some real creeper hands as he talks to her.
2: She finally comes the through air.
1: and what? gets a spot. She finally comes through. Yeah, all on her own, not because it was. She's not the last one, and they can get all. Hmm. Uh, a Recky, meanwhile, is reading Corpse by Evening, and he's like, damn, this is good. Actually,
2: <laughs> yeah, this is possibly my favorite scene of these five episodes.
1: <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Chatanda comes in and sees him reading it. And she's seen <laughs> the art before and gets curious. And Araki's like, no, we're not doing this shit and tries to keep it away from her.
2: Specifically, she's like, I, I. And he's like, no. She's like, I am curious. <laughs> and that like triggers the whole fucking thing. And then he's like, it's on the tip of my tongue. And he's like, swallow it. Swallow it. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking good dude
1: yeah he's are adorable
2: uh, this is
1: how you do relationships alright yeah it's like they're positive and not constantly fucking bickering and hate each other
2: Exa- oh my god it's so refreshing you guys smell that it's refreshing air right there boys
1: mm. he, tried, he leans back trying to keep it out of her reach as she leans forward trying to get it and he sees down her shirt like literally the tiniest bit <laughs> And this is also
2: how you do it.
1: Yeah. And he's like, oh, shit.
0: And gives up. Yep. My man's a gentleman. Although he, if she leaves pixels around, he he would totally look through them.
1: Yeah. I don't think he was being a gentleman. I was like, I think he's like, oh, no, this is extremely uncomfortable for me. Yeah. She figures out that it looks like the picture outside the conference room. And then we cut back over to the manga club. Uh, Mayaka is dressed as Senri Mariko from Rainbow Parakeet, a Phantom Thief manga made by Osamu Tezuka, um, who I think may be kind of a shitty person, I believe, but he's like considered the grandfather of anime and manga. Basically, he made so much shit, so much influential stuff. Um, the biggest name of his is probably Astro Boy. Oh, it's that guy. Okay. Yeah. I've heard of that. Not surprising. Kochi is dressed as Mai Shiranui from Fatal Fury, another SNK property. Also appears in King of Fighters. Shitty girl tries to splash Mayaka with a little bit of paint, but gets bumped and just completely
2: drenches her cosplay. Fuck this bitch! It's coffee white, right. right? oh, ot? It's not paint. Oh, I thought it was. No. I thought it was paint. I think it's just paint water where they they like oh, try okay. to get the paint mm-hmm. off the brush to use the brush again. Oh, yeah, okay. that makes sense. Yeah, and and she just gets it all over fucking Mayak, uh, Mayaka, Mayaka. Fuck. Uh, Mayaka get calmly gets up, walks out, is like, "Hey, President, I'm leaving." You ex- describing that felt like like I felt like I was watching that again. Just calmly gets <laughs> up, contains the fucking the <laughs> emotions. Angle. Yep, I am leaving. I'm gonna go change. Do you need me? Good. I'm gone. The
0: fact that this girl says she has she, she has the audacity audacity to say
1: that she did not mean to do it. Fuck you. That's all I have to say. Hell yeah. Uh, she runs into Chitanda. Having changed, they discover that the corpse by evening and the poster were drawn by the same person. And they then learn from Tanabe that the student council president drew it.
2: Mayaka needs this adventure. She's had a rough day.
1: Yeah,
0: the student council president.
2: Yeah, he was the he was the artist for the uh, corpse, corpse by, by evening. evening. Yeah, but it wasn't the executive guy. No, he was like just kind of like part of the project. He wasn't like okay. I mean, I'm just so confused in terms of like percentages. It was like forty percent the girl that left, forty percent the class president, and like maybe twenty percent him. At they were best. all three together. Yeah, at best, they were all three together on the project. He did the least amount. And then she left, and then the the, the student body president just was like, no, nah, I just did that once. Mm. Then What's the goal have to deal with it? The
0: one that Mayaka is, like, fighting with? I thought she was a drawler. No, we'll
2: talk mm, about her later. No. Yeah, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll touch that one. Okay.
1: Yeah, that one's, yeah. We cut back to the the club room. Adoreki has no clue who the president is. Jesus Christ. And everyone's like, you fucking idiot. And then he's like... Oh, yeah, him, of course. Like, tried to play it (laughs) off. Of
2: course, yeah, I do that the whole time. Oh,
1: oh, and his thing's like, oh, I thought his name, like, I thought it was written Rikuyama, which, again, probably makes more sense if you understand Japanese writing. And we're also then told that Ashinshin could be read Ajimu instead. All stuff that makes sense.
2: You guys get it, I assume. Yeah, just in case, though, Chris, just for people who don't understand, would you mind explaining it to the class?
1: You see, in kanji, um, different symbols can have, (laughs) I don't know. Episode 17. <laughs> um, Satoshi, meanwhile, or Satoshi starts coaching Chitanda for her uh, radio interview while Areki thinks. Um, he comes up with something, but decides that Chitanda would be against his thoughts. So he asks Satoshi aside, uh, who immediately blows up his spot. Is <laughs> like, you got something, huh? Hey,
2: everybody, Areki's got something. <laughs> Satoshi, you fuck.
1: Uh, Jatanda gets sad that Areki won't include her um, and like kind of appeases her and is like, mm, but what I'm thinking is real obscene. You don't want to hear about this. Mm. We cut to them having got away and Areki kind of admits that he doesn't have anything really and Satoshi gets upset at him. They go over the facts and lay out some important questions regarding the case and talk about uh, Agatha Christie's famous works. Oreki um, thinks it's in relation to the ABCs of murder because of the Kirtiavka sequence, which is a dog sent to space that never made it back. I googled the Kurdiavka sequence and all that came up was Hyoka, so this might be entirely fictional. For Satoshi, this brings out the image of violent death. So he thinks it's more in relation to the story and then there were none and they talk about the four big Agatha Christie works which the other two outside of those are the murder of Roger Ackroyd and orient on or murder on the orient express.
2: I'll be honest and I was pretty checked out at this point.
1: <laughs> so I think this is actually pretty fun in reference to these episodes. Like are you guys familiar with these four stories? I do I have heard
0: of the um the express one, Orient Express.
2: Anthony
1: any familiarity, familiarity with these stories? Uh,
2: just synopsis-wise, I'm pretty sure. And then there were none slowly dwindles down to, like, one person left. Uh-huh. Didn't you say you read that? I played a game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Okay.
0: Anyways, um, before that, so the first thing that's called, um, was it the Kravakia sequence, whatever it's called? It is a doc. Oh, okay. It's uh, like a... Like it was a Soviet space dog, which became one of the first animals in space. Orbited Earth. It's a stray mongrel from the streets of Moscow. Wow, well, they picked up a stray to uh, do the Soviet space class Sputnik 2, which launched in uh, 1957. You see what happens when you type in the force word
2: and that the whole thing? If we get 2,000 patrons, me and Sal will do a Soviet based history podcast. Can't, we won't. You guys will absolutely butcher that.
1: Yeah. Um, but unlike Owens, I'm willing to do the research. Yeah, see, we'll be fine. So these stories in relation to how this mystery could play out and some of the stuff they hint at, and, and to be fair, I think they're right. And these are like Agatha Christie's four big stories as well. Is super kind of fun to think about, especially since I think two of them technically apply. So the ABCs of Murder, I admittedly have not read, but if Mayaka is to be believed. The outcome of that is that the guy did it for fun. I don't know if the person who did it is significant, um, but in the other three, it definitely is. And and then there were none. Uh, One of the victims did it. I think it's like the fourth or fifth victim or something ends up staging their own death and they're the real culprit. Oh. In Murder on the Orient Express, everyone did it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a fun thing where everyone had a motive for wanting the person dead, and they were all in on it. Oh, it's okay. I I mean, I do know that scenario, that mystery scenario where everybody. Yeah, it. I mean, these are like some of the these are the most famous twists and, like mysteries ever. And the murder of Roger Ackroyd, the narrator did it. Uh the the guy recounting the story, like it it's framed as someone writing the story after the fact, almost like Watson writing about Sherlock Holmes, and it's revealed at the end that you know he did it.
2: So she's almost at a twist at this point, right? Because there's not many more people in the story that can do it. Who? Agatha Christie. Well, she's inventing all the twists. Because <laughs> she had the narrator do it, someone in the story do it, <laughs> one of the victims do it.
1: Yeah. She's well, that's why these twist. are like the big <laughs> ones. And if you think about how it applies to these episodes and some of the stuff they hit at, like, yeah, because you get the sense as we get further into this episode and the next episode that Satoshi maybe thinks Areki did it, is doing it. Really? I didn't get that. I think so. Oh, I, ca- I kind of get that in the way that he feels like it's almost too convenient. Or he th- I think he thinks it's a possibility, not that he thinks it's necessarily the case.
0: I see why Satoshi's not good at solving crimes now. Okay. Yeah, he can't come to conclusions. Well, he's not wrong, though, actually. No, no, he's wrong. You don't even
1: know what's happening in the mystery. No, I mean, Aoki only does at the end, just to sell more Things and the way he frames it, at well, yeah, but I think at this point, he's more or less figured it out.
0: Yeah, he figured it out. He's not fucking going and fucking helping the guy, he's not
2: going. He literally does at the end. <laughs> at the end, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go ahead and jump in. Yeah, yeah, so I don't, I don't, uh, kind of, I don't did that. That's a really hard stretch. I think they tried that just to make it fit because it would be a fun talking point as well, like, or an interesting way to look at it, but like. I feel like they forced that real hard. There's a scene, I can't, I only watched one of these in English, and I can't remember if it was 16 or 17. I actually watched all of them in dub. Uh, sorry, sub. Mm-hmm. But there's one scene that I remember dub. There was, like, it was when everyone was crowded around, and maybe the next scene, or the next episode. Everyone was, like, in the room or whatever, and then someone, like, as they're trying to talk, someone in the background was like, I bet it's the classic Lit Cub doing it the whole time, you know? Yep. I feel like that was just like a forced dialogue to like try to make that relatable. That's that was my take on that.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, if you guys didn't pick, I could be picking up on, I could be wrong or maybe not. I don't know, but I definitely feel like there's some from something, some stuff from the show that wants us to think that maybe Areki is up to something, especially given like how like impossible he frames it to sell all the things. And he faked a mystery at the very beginning of the show as well. Oh, Ricky did? Yeah. Yeah, he did.
0: Uh (laughs) Yeah, he faked a mystery so he wouldn't have to solve the main mystery for Shitanda.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things. I don't think I I just didn't see that. I mean, you have to think of it from his perspective. What's the easiest way to sell all 200 copies? That was his goal.
2: Well also then wouldn't Satoshi not feel it as like a he wouldn't consider it a competition he'd said he'd consider it more of like a I'm going to find you kind of Well thing, that's right? the thing. I
1: don't think he thought Oreki did it, but I think they used some of the shots of Satoshi and the way he like brooded at Oreki and stuff to kind of maybe convey the idea that it's possible that Oreki is behind it.
2: Mm, I just kind of assumed those were jealousy.
0: Yeah, all those brooding shots was just jealousy that Oreki can solve it and he can't.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was, but some of them came from, like, not Areki solving it, though. Like, a- actually, just, like, there would be no reason for him to be jealous in that specific moment.
0: No, he, there was so many times he was jealous of Ricky. I'm just saying, because Satoshi did all the common mistakes that Ricky would not have done. So Satoshi's just mad
1: at himself that he could not solve the mystery because of Ureki. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I think that's 100% correct. I'm just saying <laughs> yeah, but that man, I think...
2: <laughs> Satoshi went around looking at every place, being at every single spot, trying to find every single thing. <laughs> this fucking Ureki just solves it by reading a fucking manga. Mm. Like, he's butthurt as fuck. Let's be real. Yeah, I mean, I,
0: I just never saw saw what you've seen is what I'm trying to point is my point. Yeah, here. I'm not
1: trying to say that, like, my way is correct. I'm just presenting a, a possible thing. Oh, Areki thinks it has to do with the manga and is stuck on the idea that there has to be a purpose to all the thievings. Which foreshadowing? Mm. Kind of n- not. Me- he mentions how there's little disruption to the festival, like it's just minor inconveniences. So it's not someone trying to really hurt anybody or cause any big scenes or anything. If anything i'd argue it's helping yeah
2: keeping people more like you know i wonder when he's gonna strike again
1: yeah satoshi starts to leave and is like uh yeah i'll go get our bait ready and then he looks back and says i have high hope or thinks i have high hopes for your ricky we cut to chitanda going to her uh hit radio interview to which she immediately headbutts the microphone yeah, this the is gonna go ends. well this yes. is gonna go
2: real well we jump
1: to episode 17 the kudryavka sequence We come back to the interview where Chitanda is constantly referencing her notes of how to conduct a good interview. And in the bottom corner of each page, she has written the word pumpkin for some reason. That's great. I didn't even see that. How do you know? Uh, yeah, I think it was written in English too. Oh, dude, she's fucking nailing it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, she does okay. Uh, she more or less follows Sue's advice, but puts a little of herself in there and I think the the radio guy definitely helps it
2: yeah I imagine this is the product of like her coming at this with Irasu in the back of her head but then like Satoshi was like calm that shit down like this is all you need Mm. because didn't he help her prep
1: yeah but I don't think he I don't think they talked about like how she should conduct herself regarding Irasu's advice it was more just like how to present yourself on the radio
2: Maybe taking like Satoshi things and running them through like the Irasu mill of like how to do things, you know? Yeah. Something like that. But the, the, uh, it, it feels very like weighted between those two. It feels like a really nice balance. And I really think she did pretty well, especially yeah, she for did. fucking Shatandra. <laughs> uh, while this is happening, Mayaka enters the
1: club room and notices that there are fewer copies of Hioka. We cut to a really long shot of Irasu purchasing a frog plush. Uh, The radio interview eventually (laughs) ends and Chitanda is not sure. And she thinks to herself that she's not sure if she should be doing this. We get uh, Mayaka's adorable classic lit club versus Jumoji poster. (laughs) It's very good. It flashes very quick, but it's great. Three of them are standing guard while Areki is selling copies. Uh, Standing guard around the manuscript they have put out as bait while Areki is selling copies. Uh, There's murmuring in the crowd as Anthony had said that like, oh, they could be doing this themselves. And then the phone, Satoshi's phone, rings. And when everyone looks away, the manuscript <gasps> explodes. Chitanda notices water on the desk, and Mayaka finds the calling card. No one in the classic look, lit club looks happy. <laughs> Get fucked, classic lit club. Uh The fact that Satoshi picked up the like picked up the papers
0: and was like using his hand instead of his feet, I just thought that was really weird to uh, wipe away the fire. That's what I have to yeah. say. I, I that just, is, I guess, a weird way to put out fire. Uh, yeah, it was just like, why are you not using your feet? Your feet, like, would make more sense than
1: your bare hands. Probably an animation thing. Yeah, you might be right. We cut to an article that just says "Classic Lit Club Beaten." Chitanda <laughs> uh, goes to see Irisu, who sold out of copies of Hioka. Irisu tells her tells Chitanda that she's not cut out for the advice that she gave her. When she tries to do it, she just comes off as needy. And eventually, if you stay trying to do that sort of stuff, you will swap out your true nature for it. And that her weaknesses may be a strength somewhere else. And Shatanda's like, yeah, I was thinking it's
2: kind of the same thing. Yours is pretty awesome.
1: she's yeah. great. And um, like I referenced earlier, I think it's so interesting that these two got paired up because Chitanda initially goes to Irisu for advice about how to manipulate people and, and, and follows it and succeeds ultimately with a radio interview but ends up feeling worse because of it even, even though like initially she was being presented as a tiny bit jealous of Irisu's ability to get people to do what they want for her and then on the flip side, Irasu comes off as super jealous of Chitanda. Throughout these episodes, we see Irasu's scenes are weird because the first one is with Chitanda where she gets, Chitanda basically a wreckies her. Mm-hmm. The second one is her at the magic show, which you could take as her trying to solve the mystery. Or you could take it as her as just being like, she kind of wants to see a magic show. She thinks that might be fun. I
2: thought she was straight vibing.
1: yeah. And then again, there's that really long shot of her buying a handmade plush frog for some reason, which again, when you think of like this cold hearted empress of the school, probably ain't buy these cute little frog plushes. And especially where she throws in the line, if you do it enough, it'll replace your true nature. It's, it's almost not, maybe not almost, but it's like Irisu is the one who's envious of Chitanda in that Chitanda is able to succeed in what she wants and have what she has by being like super straightforward and genuine and just who she is, even though she's weird and bubbly and kind of airheaded while Irasu has to, Irisu has to put up a front, she has to manipulate people. She's tried so hard to get her status and get what she wants that it's like, it's become who she is now
2: in a way. Listen, Chris, I think you're on the right point. Okay, you're on the right start. Yeah. But. <laughs> Go ahead. I just want to see how you reacted to that. But no, uh, I think I think it's a grass is green on the other side kind of outlook for both, or for, at least for Irasu in this point. Because um, I. Th- sorry, I just want to throw in one thing real quick.
1: Yeah. Because I think you're 100% correct. And that uh, specific phrase was uttered by Areki uh, oh, really? in epi- a set of episodes or two ago. Yeah.
2: Okay. But yeah, a, a, and um. Yeah, yeah. Was that in reference to these two though?
1: No, it was in reference to like himself, right? Um comparing him to Irasu? No, comparing like comparing himself to quote unquote like a rosy life in a way. was oh, like, yeah, yeah I sure, could sure, have sure. that more interesting yeah. life, but you know, eh, once you're there, maybe they they wish they were more like me, you know.
2: Yeah. And this is this could be a stretch, but just based on like hearing what she said, how she reacts, and how, like, it seems like that first, that scene that, like, you know, where uh, Chitanda was able to, like, get her, like, with the purple eye special move. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like that was just her taken aback, like, not prepped mentally for this interaction. Because afterwards, like, it didn't seem to, she, she had her shield up. She was prepared mentally and physically ready for the battle. But, uh.
1: Well, she still had, like, kind of a wrecky face where she was a little unsure. She had the little sweat drop.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, you you look at the faces a lot in this anime for some reason, dude. There's so much in the faces,
1: <laughs> dude. Kyo Annie does so much detail in everything.
2: But my whole point is the um, is she. I feel like she already knew who she is, and uh, if, if I feel like she's at a previous time had probably already thought about this, and is just informing Chitandra like this is just what this is. I feel like she's already Iris is already self aware enough to know that like it's it's not really a jealousy. It, it it could be like a in the back of her mind thing, but I feel like she's already came to terms with it and she's just explaining to Chitandra to try to keep her on her path. I which is not is not in compare or is not in contrast to or I guess not to compare to what you said, but in contrast with what you said, I believe, right? Is that the right words to use? They're almost like in tandem, right? What we
1: Yes. Think. Yeah. And yeah, I think you are hundred percent correct. Because if you remember what I said about this being about weaknesses and how you deal with them, that's another great reason or that's another reason why Chitanda being paired with Irisu is great. Because taking what you said as correct, I think Chitanda is exactly the same in that she knows who she is. She knows her weaknesses. She knows her strengths and she's happy to use them where applicable. She's happy to lean on others when she has to and use other people's strengths Mm -hmm. that, you know, she, she does have that brief moment where, you know, she feels like she isn't capable of being this commanding presence and getting people to do what she needs them to do, but ultimately decides that even if she can't be that person, that's fine. She'll be someone else.
2: And this may be a dumb point just to add on to that. Um, I think... Like I said, Irisu's already fought that battle before. Mm-hmm. You know, where, you know, can I be Chitandra or, you know, like her bubbly and all stuff. But I think that, do you think this is the first time Chitandra's tried to fight that battle? Um, Because that's kind of the vibes I was kind of getting. And that's yeah, why she was I like, so. you know, I'm not cut out for this. And I think that, like, that's the cool part about this is Chitandra, or uh, is Irisu already knew. And Chitandra was like, you know, I think I found this. And she really, for more or less, found it on her own, like when they were talking they were literally just sharing thoughts like you know it's okay to be what we are kind of deal you know where whether but i think it was really cool that they kind of both came to that realization separately at least not at the same time but then just talked about it together it's mm-hmm. kind of cool and a little bit on that note um i st- god i i thought
1: i would be able to talk about it by now but i still don't think i can talk about <laughs> the other thing with chitanda until the last set of episodes but This being the first time that she would have had to fight that battle, I think, really ties into one of the other themes of the show in that until she was, you know, confronted with Areki in the Classic Lit Club, Chitanda never really had to confront anything. Like she was never, not only did she never really have any hardship, but she was never really faced with choice and the idea that she might be different or might be able to be different than she is. But I think we'll talk about that more in the next set. Uh, anything else on Irasu and Shatanda as characters before we move on? So
0: Monkey, you still with anything to add to this? <laughs> what to add? Does nothing else to add. You guys went over everything.
2: Okay. We fucking took that topic and destroyed it.
1: Satoshi, meanwhile, is talking to Mayaka. Uh, or is not talking to Mayaka. He's talking to Tani. And Tani is like, mm, man didn't solve it oh well i had higher expectations of you satoshi yo fuck this
2: kid take him out back and beat the shit out of him use your database and fucking remember that (laughs) jujitsu you learned about dude fucking take him out go get
1: that fucking 30 year old chef that was on his team Mm -hmm. uh and then satoshi is talking to mayaka the word expectations and he says expectations is a word for after you've given up any thoughts on that sentiment or the were expectations and how they're trying to play with it in this episode and what it means um, to them. So
2: this is going to be a strange deep dive, but have you guys ever seen Easy A? No. Uh, fantastic film. Yeah. The only issue I have with that whole movie is it is way too smart to be staged in high school.
0: And, and you think of it like in this one where they're too smart to be talking about these kind of issues?
2: Yeah. So I think... Yeah, I think Satoshi for not being able to conclude very well. I think this is a little bit of a stretch for his character uh, to be able to like wordplay like this, like so fucking I mean, unless he's already looked into the stuff before,
0: but No, I mean this is what he thinks of to himself about expectations
1: and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, maybe. I it just it just, just kind of like uh nah. So, to kind of explain what I
1: think Satoshi's viewpoint on expectations is. Whether I agree with it or not, I don't fully know. It makes an amount of sense to me. Is that using the word expectations implies that you know the capabilities of something. When, when you have expectations of someone or something, you, there is the idea that it's going to meet a certain uh, criteria and not necessarily rise above it. I mean, yes, of course, the idea of exceeding expectations exists, but it's basically saying that you don't see this thing as being capable or you don't think it's going to produce more. It's going to produce a a certain level that you're already aware of. And like I said, I don't necessarily agree with that sentiment, but I think that's what Satoshi is feeling with that word and trying to say
2: i think i agree with most most of like i under kind of understand i just don't agree with them when we say like meet our expectations we're talking about like a level that works like expecting to meet right like an acceptableness but like when i think i believe like the term expectation itself like just the definition i don't think that that necessarily implies like what he's implying i don't know it's kind of a weird word like i think coming off of that you know, the the phrase itself versus just the word. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's doing shitty high school philosophizing. (laughs) That doesn't really hold up under scrutiny. Yeah. So, I I, I mean, sure, he can think that, but I don't think you should get that worked up over a word. And, you know, he's being, like,
1: very melodramatic and maudlin. He, I mean, he at this point, he's already been defeated by Arecki again. That's true. When he, he set out to rise above him for once, and he's already, and he lost. And... It's especially bad for him because, we'll get as we'll get to in a bit, when he overhears him talking to Tanabe, he's like, Oreki says, I figured it out really easy. <laughs> and Satoshi was trying his hardest and could not get it. And to hear Oreki say, like, nah, that was fucking cake, bro, just makes him feel so inferior and, like, he can never be as good as Oreki is. Which will tie that back in with uh, Mayaka because she's very much going through the same thing.
2: Gotcha. You want to go ahead and tackle his shit real quick. Satoshi? No. Yeah, yeah, Satoshi's.
1: Uh, yeah. Do you want did you have more to say on it
2: right now? Uh, I think so like in terms of I I I enjoy that we get to watch his arc and I don't mind it. Well, I can't I don't mind watching it again and I say again because I've already seen this before a lot, you know, the jealousy kind of type, but I wish that he wouldn't have mentioned earlier. I wish they wouldn't have talked about how Satoshi knows that Areki's already special and that he's already elevated and he's already like this person that is just special you know like they literally describe and he already describes himself as just completely average and then like he strives again to be that and he's disappointed when he can't reach it like I don't know why you would put yourself through that like what would you expect out of that well I
1: think I think Mayaka's stuff makes it a little more clear when you parallel that it's not only that it's the fact that Like, Satoshi really loves the stuff that Areki is capable of. Like, he wishes he could be that, not because Areki's smart, but because Satoshi loves mysteries, he loves that deductive reasoning, he loves gathering information and putting it together to figure out new things. And he works so hard at it, while Areki is just naturally good at it, but doesn't really care. He just kind of does it because it's there, and because other people force him into it.
2: I don't agree with it. don't really care.
1: Well, it's not it's not a passion for Rekki. It's not re- it's barely an interest for him as is evidenced by the fact that uh multiple times he says like, "Oh, I just lucked into it," right? But we all know that that's bullshit. No, it is, but that's how he sees it.
2: I. I this dude is just pretty smart. I don't think he just sees it like that. He he
1: does. But he, that's with his uh tea house conversation with Iresu and she calls him special. Like that's the first time that he truly saw the value of his own talents, potentially.
2: Uh, sorry, I don't think Satoshi thinks that... Well... Uh, that, yeah.
1: No, I think Satoshi totally is jealous of the fact that he's naturally gifted in this way, but to him is wasting it. This is going to tie in with Tanabe as well. Um, that, But if he was using it more actively, then maybe it wouldn't be so bad because it's like i think does tanabe have a line or am i making that up
2: Uh, tanabe did talk a lot about like he just wishes he would use continue because who knows what could happen if he did
1: yeah there's the implication that like by not acting on your gift you're denying everyone of it like you have something to offer and you're withholding it basically and I, I think that's where part of where that jealousy stems from. It's not just inferiority. It's, it's the lack of interest in using that talent. But we can, uh, we, we can keep Satoshi in mind, and if we want to keep talking about him, we can as we uh, truck a little forward. That's fair. We get the, the scene of Satoshi eavesdropping on Areki, and Areki calls out Tanabe, um and how the whole thing was a code to someone. And Areki has his confronting the culprit scene as he gives him a big long explanation and Tanabe tells him that he exceeded his expectations. There's that word again. Um, Areki basically blackmails Tanabe saying that he wants the executive committee to buy 30 copies of Hioka and then resell them on the website for mail order. I think blackmail is a, is a dumb
2: term to start here.
1: Yeah, not not necessarily blackmail but he's like, yeah, I, I know your shit and but he he also then is like but I and I can do something for you and offers up himself and Satoshi to being uh, accomplices, which Satoshi is shot in a way here and has a look that is kind of hard to read. I think, but it I almost feel like it's positive when Oreki says that, and I'll I'll bring in Satoshi too. He'll he'll do it if I ask him. Satoshi feel or or looks almost like happy in a way that like Areki is placing this trust in him rather than feeling manipulated and used by Oreki.
2: This is where I think this is where I think the point that we differed a little bit earlier comes back up because when I saw him happy, I was like, this is Satoshi seeing like, yeah, he's really this good. Yeah. Like not only did he solve the case, but he's also going to like fucking sell the Hyoka and i get to be part of it too like i like this is this that's where i i thought it was just happiness for that reason cuz so i think the way i look at it allows that to be an option
1: mm mm-hmm. mhm uh we get an, a quick outline of areki's plan satoshi again looks a little despondent as we come back and he z admits he was trying his best to or he was trying to best or, or no mayaka asks him like hey were you trying to best areki and satoshi admits like yeah kind of it's not fully jealousy I was just always looking up to him <laughs> and does is like hey, I guess databases can't draw conclusions uh and along what in that bit where he says like he was always he's always he feels that he's always looking up to people um he starts to say to Mayaka like yeah but you know you wouldn't know what that's like <laughs> they share an off-screen look which is pretty obviously implied to be Mayaka being like Nah, man, I know exactly what that's like. And I, I think Satoshi realizes it too as he's saying it. And there's just this good moment of understanding between the two that even though Satoshi looks up to Mayaka um, in the way that like he, he mentions earlier that if, if she wanted to pass him up in knowledge in a subject, she totally could easily. So he sees her as someone above him still. And as a result thinks that she doesn't have that problem. Of looking up to people, but she totally does.
2: Also, Mayaka caught him, Fuku, Fuku Fuku-chan. She always does. Uh, I think this is the one I was watching English. It was just Fuku. Oh, just abbreviated cootie name.
1: Mm. Um, and the actually kind of on that note, I kept forgetting to bring it up, even though I thought of it like four times. This whole this through this whole thing, there's you know Tani coming up and trying to compete with Satoshi. And Satoshi just keeps blowing him off because he's like, in a weird way, he's not interested in his strengths. He's not interested in who he's better than or what he's good at. He's too focused on his weaknesses and what he's bad at and who's better than him to really recognize his own strengths. Yeah, I can agree with that. I want to say, if I remember correctly, that stuff is going to come to more of like a direct head in the next set but I'm not 100% sure on that.
2: Yeah, that that point seems very like reasonable to me cuz he's very much like whether he meant it or not, he was just like, you know, there's bigger fish to fry over here. Mm-hmm. But I mean, honestly though, they both neither of them fucking did anything for the fuck. Well, yeah. <laughs> like two losers in a pod, still you still lost. Yeah.
1: We get to the closing ceremony uh and, and so so the whole thing By the way, I guess I skipped over it was Tanabe was trying to send a clue to Kugiyama, the club president, um, because he wrote the manga A Corpse by Evening that was illustrated by Anjo, who transferred out and backgrounds, some background work was done by Tanabe. Their next plan was for the Kurtyavka sequence, which was written by Anjo like she wrote it already. And the manuscript was given to Kugiyama and um, Tanabe super pumped about it, super passionate about like drawing and manga and stuff. And Kugiyama, as far as far as Tanabe believes, Kugiyama never even read it, never even opened it. So he put this thing out uh, about the trying to follow the kardiavka sequence as like a test to him. both Both as a message like you fucker, like you suck, you took this from us. Um, But also as a way to maybe see if he did read it and in his mind, hopefully inspire him to once again draw a manga because he's this like amazing savant that Tanabe feels like he can never reach and that without him, they'll never be able to bring this great story that Anjo wrote to life.
2: Nailed it. Yeah. And to be fair, this is a describing all of this at like a fucking G-
1: yeah, and, and yeah, that that all ties into stuff we've been talking about with Tanabe and jealousy and expectations and all that. Um,
2: this was crazy good, honestly. Like him just explaining everything
1: in the closing ceremony. Kugiyama looks back, or and the, as they talk about like the Phantom Thief thing, they make reference to that, and Kugiyama looks back to Tanabe and gives him a thumb up, thumbs up, and goes like, "Nice work." So, meaning he did get it. Like, he got that Tanabe was behind it, and he got the message to an extent, but we don't really get to know to what extent, if if it just means that he understood it, or or he knew that Tanabe was behind it, or if there's something more there, we don't know.
2: That's so awesome and highly infuriating at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> now we get to my second favorite part.
1: Mayaka talking about the manga to Kochi? Yes! Yeah, Okay. So, Mayaka brings Corpse by Evening to Kochi, and they have a brief ar- revisit of the argument of taste versus, like, value and how, you know, subjectivity and things, whatever, don't mean anything. <laughs> Which, in a way, Kochi's not wrong. But I, I guess do you guys have any thoughts on, on that whole, like, argument? What's the argument? The argument of, like, My- Mayaka insisting that masterpieces are a thing that can exist like almost like an objective quality to creative works where Kochi is saying that nothing matters it's all completely random It you can do whatever you want and everything is the same I mean I, 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 I mean they're both Myaka's true right. it's they not both of them are not long. any thoughts on maybe why Mayaka is so like passionate about her viewpoint
0: uh, just because he likes um, Coast by Evening so much that he has to believe the fact it's a masterpiece.
2: I don't even see how you argue the other side of this. What the other, other side? side? The side, like the coachy side. Well, she's not wrong.
0: No, necessarily. Because, like, because if you think of it like this, fucking um, Rosebud is a fucking masterpiece to a bunch of filmmakers. Citizen Kane.
2: Citizen Kane. Whoever the fucking thing is called. Not because of the story that much. Yeah, but if we watch it
0: right now, we won't we we would not understand why it's such a great masterpiece.
2: No, but if you watch like three movies at the same time and then watch that, you'd be like, Oh fuck, yeah, that was way better.
0: Hmm. Yeah, but you're still getting to my point. It's like it's it is really to the person that like watches it or stuff like that. Though sometimes when a Masterpiece is all like that, but like it's one of those things, it's like it's really dependent on the person. And if she yeah, looks I, at I
2: think if some- oh sorry, go ahead. No, I mean you go on. Well I was gonna say I think there's a there's a point that subjectivity is probably correct in like, you know, watching like any USA show. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw it out there. <laughs> You're just watching those for like entertainment value. There's they're probably all the same kind of old shit, you know. But don't get me wrong, I am the I watched fucking most of Suits, all of Burn Notice, you know, all these shows that are just they're yeah, fine. but
0: you don't classify those as masterpiece. I'm talking about no. Citizen Kane.
2: That's what exactly. Like,
0: I'm talking about like it is supposed to is supposed to be a masterpiece, right? Like it is one of the like the masterpiece of films, wherever it is. But it's like yes, but you can totally go in though and watch it and see that it's not a masterpiece.
1: So, I haven't uh, I haven't seen Citizen Kane because honestly, I think it would fucking bore me to death. But it would. I, I have an example of one I have seen. I think Casablanca is fine.
2: I've never seen it. Like, I think it's it. an okay movie. Okay, well, here, here's here's my question then. Yeah. Here's, I think this, what's, what is your favorite movie of all time?
1: Uh, Memento. You think it's a masterpiece? What is a masterpiece?
2: Uh, or, or I guess, would you consider it, if, if someone would say, like, in this kind of type of argument, like, basically... It's your favorite for a reason, right? Sure. All right. And so you consider it a masterpiece? You know what? Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll go to Bat for Memento as a masterpiece. Why not? Yeah. So, I mean, like, you obviously have that feeling that it's a masterpiece. Do you think other people think that? I'm sure there are probably some. So, there are objective qualities to this movie. Okay. Sure. So, then maybe I, I don't, then at that point, like, if something is like, if I'm a. If a bunch of people got together and say there are objective qualities to make this a masterpiece, then I don't see how subjectiveness really goes into that.
1: Oh, okay. So so that's another thing that I think is worth exploring. And that's a whole other tangent of technical aspects of something elevating quality, Um, which to the average person, they don't give a fuck.
2: No, that's what I was saying. Like, the USA shit is very subjective. And I understand there's a baseline of subjectivity in all like fucking media. But like, when there's something that's so fucking good that everyone almost has to exclusively agree that that's a good film, except for the two like contrarians out there or whatever, you know, I think that there's a masterpiece involved. And I think that Citizen Kane is
1: a masterpiece because a bunch of stuffy film majors in a room said so. Because uh, we're three. because we're supposed to appreciate the way it changed cinematography, which well, I, I won't take that away from it. That's fine. But if I'm someone who doesn't care about that stuff, that that literally means nothing. And then you have to look at if the thing stands on its own as a piece of entertainment, which is ultimately what this stuff is. Mm, I guess. So should a, should uh, should not a should a masterpiece. Not first excel at being entertainment.
2: The issue here, I think, is definition of masterpiece. Because it's almost like the definition of masterpiece is subjective. So that is... uh, I don't think the definition of a masterpiece is subjective. I think the definition of a masterpiece has to use subjective... uh, (laughs) What are you talking about? It's all subjective. What? (laughs) Well, no. Okay, so listen, listen, listen. So if we fucking take the Dark Knight and compare it to fucking citizen kane right everyone in this podcast i'm assuming will agree that dark knight's a better movie haven't seen citizen kane
1: but probably it, also like, I haven't seen citizen matter. kane either
2: insert fucking casablanca versus the dark knight insert like anything you know uh, anything different like fucking just look at alien versus like prometheus right anything it doesn't matter like, alien anything was made 30 years later is going to be better so like in that regard there has to be some type of subjectivity because you can't compare like well, I don't, no, no. You can superior. compare Agatha, all you want, dude. Like to, you cannot compare Agatha Christie to fucking Shakespeare and get a valid argument
1: out of that, right? Well, it depends what you're trying to compare, right? I mean, you you literally asked me what my favorite movie was, and that's an impossible question to answer if you're not allowed to compare different things.
0: Yeah, and it's like like you said, it's still subjective. All of it is.
2: Yeah, I I guess the, the issue I have, I guess masterpiece to me is there's a there's a thing of subjectivity in the fact that it's like you have to compare like your your masterpieces you know based off of the other works around it right mhm so in that regards everything is going to be subjective but if you then apply subjectivity on the outside of that like i think that's where we're wrong
1: sure regardless to get us back on track here cuz this is all irrelevant why do we think mayaka is taking that such hard stance against kochi
0: because she really feels the fact that the corpse by evening is a masterpiece makes her feel something. So she's willing to die on that hill for it.
2: Oh, I, I have no idea. She hasn't given me any reason. I mean,
0: also, I'm just saying this is a fucking
2: student made manga. I don't know what the fuck she's reading, but apparently she's not reading any good shit. Uh, I was just thinking she's just more like on my side where like there's obviously going to be a masterpiece.
0: No, she so clearly thinks *Cops by evening is a masterpiece. Because the one manga that he pulls out, was is weird, because he has a bunch of manga inside of a room. But like I said, this this manga probably speaks to whole differently from anybody else. But yeah, I don't think Oreki is like, yeah, this is good. I don't think he's like masterpiece
1: worthy. See, I would argue anything that makes him say good is a masterpiece. <laughs> so regardless of the actual quality of Corpse by Evening, right, in the grander scheme of things... um. To Mayaka, she views it in very high regard and some of it might be because she knows it was made by someone who is like a year or two her senior. And on that point, I think the reason she feels so strongly about the ability for masterpieces to truly exist and pushes so hard against Kochi's nothing matters viewpoint is if you remember back to, she's, she looks at body talk and is like, hmm. That's good, but not as good as Corpse by Evening. And then looks at her own work and is like, oh, God, I am so bad compared to these. Mayaka is not one of the talented people in this series. But she's not like Satoshi, where she mostly just like accepts that defeat. She consistently works to try and elevate herself. And if she were to believe that she's wrong about her viewpoints on masterpieces, then all of her work, all of her passion would be for nothing. She could never achieve something like corpse by evening. Does that make sense?
2: Um, kind of. I was kind of thinking more like, wouldn't that, like, if she doesn't believe in masterpiece, if she took the other side, then wouldn't that mean, like, her shit has an actual chance to surface? If all manga is just subjectivity, you know, you should just go ahead and release it anyway.
1: Yeah, but if if that's the case, then why why does any of it matter? Where well, she she's not taking that viewpoint of it doesn't matter. She feels real passion and connection to this stuff, so of course she's gonna look at it through that
2: eye. I don't know, maybe, man. This uh, I'm, I'm losing it because because <laughs> then why is the other girl in the fucking manga club if she argues this point like if she doesn't believe that anything has passion.
1: Okay, yeah, let's get into Kochi. Let's move on a little. First, she she drops the uh she was jo- she's joking part, right? She never means anything that she's saying. Yeah. And she's like and she talks about, yeah, I read I know Corpse by Evening. I gave up reading it partway through. Mm-hmm. And it was because she was friends with Anjo and she went and made that manga on a, on a lark with her buddy who also did the same thing. They were like, ah, I don't know. It could be fun to make a manga. Let's see what happens. And then they came out with this fucking mind-blowing thing. She basically straight up says that she's super jealous of that natural talent. So much so that she stopped talking to Anjo about it. And is like, what would I, sure, I could read the whole thing. And then what? I call her up and be like, wow, that was so great. When's the next one?
2: I was just saying ghost jelly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
2: Yeah, no, I think someone needs to tell her that she just needs to, like, apologize.
1: Yeah, and she, exactly, that's why she's, like, taking, she's representative of the opposite of Mayaka. It's not that she doesn't believe necessarily that quality exists. It's that she's using it as a defense because she saw these people who just did it once and moved on and blew her out of the fucking water someone who is try who's someone who theoretically is trying really hard and is really passionate about the subject. And instead of being like Mayaka where she's holding on to that hope and pressing forward that someday she can accomplish something like that. Or she's just trying to hide behind well it doesn't fucking matter. Because anyone can just crap out anything and it can be a masterpiece.
2: Yeah. I I honestly I love her fucking thing because I feel like in her like four or five scenes she's had, there's more arc in that character development here with uh, with Koji than I've seen in, like, entire series before. But I think, like, this is why I'm so, like, dead set on this masterpiece thing, because, like, she's hiding behind it, so she, clearly she doesn't believe what she's saying, right? Clearly she what? Sorry. Like, she doesn't... Tr- truly she doesn't believe in subjectivity, because, like... She's literally in turmoil right now because no, she, she's just making the point across to um, Mayaka.
0: She doesn't believe it whatsoever,
1: Anthony. I highly disagree. No, I don't. I don't think she truly believes it either. I don't think she's making the point to Mayaka like Irasu maybe was oh, wait, with we Chitanda. Might be in the Same
0: place, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Come on, I mean, she's jelly. Like,
2: of course yeah, she she's believes that in- someone has made a masterpiece, right?
1: Yeah, and that she, in in her mind, she can't. She like. It was so good that she had to stop reading it because of how inferior it made her feel <laughs> yeah yeah, exactly. yeah No,
2: that makes sense
1: and it type tie back to like Ururasu's story with areki about the bench warmer and the natural
2: talent right yeah sure you know i'm I'm just talking about like in terms of like her saying like subjectivity versus masterpiece stuff like i I just don't think she has an argument to stand on now afterwards after, after you know
1: no she totally doesn't. No, dude. What we're trying to tell you,
0: dude, is he doesn't believe in it. At least he's just doing this to have an argument with Maya.ka
2: Well, fifteen minutes ago, when I said masterpiece, both of you were like, "No, subjectivity." Well, like, that no, on, that that was mean? about
1: our viewpoints on masterpieces versus subjectivity. But she, true and, and like, and I'm on Maya and Kochi's
2: side that there are masterpieces.
1: Sure, fine. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree. I, I think it's a very muddy area that would take way too long to talk about. Honestly but but the thing for Kochi, like we're saying is that she's just hiding behind it that that thought yeah because she doesn't think she's capable of making something that good
2: yeah i wasn't understanding you guys when you were like yeah she's doing this I was like no she's on my side cuz earlier we were i understand what you guys were saying now
1: um which to qu- to quickly tie in mayaka's thing as to what i was talking about about how people deal with their weaknesses and shortcomings and stuff mayaka as we touched on, is, you know, generally very independent, cries and moves on, right? And that's kind of what yeah. she does here. Like, she just pushes forward. She looks at her manga and is like, mm, man, this sucks compared to the stuff I think is good. But maybe someday I'll be able to make something as good as them. Which, man, Maiaka rules. Mm-hmm. Um, But Kochi leaves... Um, mayaka walks to where kochi was and sees the cat sketch on the railing that is from body talk and starts to cry (laughs) uh because she realizes not only does she just fully understand kochi in that moment but just the night before she was looking at kochi's thing and thinking this isn't a good enough substitute for course by evening to show her a masterpiece yep which is oh that's brutal yeah, they, they t- there's a little bit of talk about how Kugiyama hasn't drawn since uh, Corpse by Evening. Uh, Tanabe, also that jealousy shit. And how Kugiyama probably never even read the manuscript. Uh, we cut to the club room where the group buys the last four copies of *Yoka*, and they have sold out of all 200 copies. Yay!
0: Where's uh, Oeki? Like, bought like four or five copies, right? Uh yeah. <laughs> I think throughout the, like the three day where he bought like one like at the very beginning.
1: Yeah. I think they all bought one at the beginning and then they're like, ah we should buy some for our parents too or whatever. And then he's like, "Ah, uh, I don't know, I'll buy a couple more. <laughs> um They they have a they have a quick quick talk about the Jumoji caper, but decide to have a celebration. They'll talk all about it because Satoshi and Reki do not want to divulge the shit because they know that Mayaka and Chitanda
2: will be very mad at them. And now they can use all of their brain power together to solve this new mystery. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. And yeah, they plan to have a celebration and that is where we leave episode 17. Anything else on this set of episodes?
2: Character arcs? I got a new favorite character and I felt it coming last season, last fucking... Oh, my, yeah, Mayaka. Oh, I thought you said, oh, were already on the Mayaka train. Uh, I, I think I, I may have said it last time, but I was definitely, if I didn't, I was definitely fucking feeling it. Like, this is gonna be, yep, 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 yep. Yeah, I think Mayaka
1: is so incredibly well done and it's like such a great foil to everyone else in the way that she's like, in a weird way, the most mature of the group easily. All right, I guess if there is nothing else next week wrapping up hioka final five episodes after that anthony will be doing his next choice uh if you'd like to get in contact with us in any way listen after the music where you'll get our twitters and our emails and anything else maybe we have to plug there and that is it see you next time on my first anime Hey, thanks as always for listening. We decided to smash through fate and forge our own futures by launching a Patreon. You can check that out over on patreoncom slash anime, where hopefully by this point we figured out some cool shit to do. Or if you would just like to leave us a review and uh, rating on wherever you get your podcasts, that helps as well. And also, I am winging this. You know, also has wings,
0: twiddle. So at us at my first anime and. Other shenanigans talk about how awesome I am. That Salvador, also awesome Monkey. If you email just really just leave uh, comments about me is, is what I'm asking for. I'm also plugging, I guess, my scene on uh, Twitch.tv. you can check out pictures uh, of ST my cat
2: on Instagram zero. and Twitter under the handle of Sir Paper Plate. See you next time on My, my first, first Anime. anime. <laughs> Did it in one. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>